0: Hey guys, Adam here. This is not an episode of the Startup Diary and there's no Harrison on the mics today. Before you stop listening, this is still going to be an interesting show. This is an episode of Startup Stories. This is where I get to interview interesting people from the world of business and hear about their journeys, their wins, their losses, and what they've learned along the way. If you would like to go and catch up with every episode because season one has already finished, head over to Startup Stories and hit subscribe. Alternatively, we're gonna be dropping every show here every Saturday until the end of season one. There's eight episodes in each season. Enjoy. Malcolm, thanks so much for joining us on Mike today. For anyone that doesn't know about you or your business, can you give us a quick intro to who you are and what
1: the business does? Yep. So, Malcolm Sloan, I run sportsinjuryfix.com. Uh, it's a free website for the public to help find the right treatment. The average person sees three or more therapists before they find the right one because no one knows the difference between physios, chiros, osteos, sports therapists, etc. But actually what people do know is, well, I'm a runner and I've hurt my knee, so who's best placed to help me? We let the public search in the way they want to enable them to get fixed, not frustrated. Perfect stuff. And how, how old is the business right now? So the business itself has been running for a couple of years. Uh, I had a full time day job, so I set it up as a proof of concept, as a bit of a listing website. Um, But we've been full time on it since January. And and just to sort of cover off for the noise today, in case there is a bit of background noise
0: compared to normal, can you just explain to people where we are and what you guys are doing here? Because I've just seen the stand. You've
1: got an amazing stand, you've got loads of staff in front of us. What are you doing here today? So yeah, we're at the Body Power Expo at the NEC in Birmingham. Uh, There's over 100,000 people here. It's absolutely massive. Crossfit, bodybuilding, weightlifting, gym bunnies, jiu-jitsu, it's quite a sight. Uh, It's one of those markets where everybody breaks themselves, everybody's got a niggle, everybody's got an injury. So we've got a big 12 meter wide stand uh, full of multidisciplinary therapists, just helping people, giving them a massage, giving them some taping to get through their next performance uh, and just giving them some advice, guidance and treatment like it. Really like it, mate. So I want to spend a bit
0: of time and learning about sort of the marketplace conditions that you guys operate in. But I think for the people that listen to this, one thing that's super interesting is how did you actually go through the transition period of a day job? I guess three years ago now. So you did this part time for two years. So how did you manage that? How did you find the time? Because a load of people say, I want to do my own thing, but there's no time in the day. So how did you find that? And then what made you actually make the transition to doing this full time?
1: Yeah, Uh, so a lot of it is just taking advantage of the opportunities that were there. So I was working as a management consultant for PA Consulting, travelling all around the country, uh, various assignments. So what that meant is, well, if I drove everywhere, then that's dead time. So I made sure that I actually extended my commute and got a train everywhere. It didn't matter if I had to take three changes. What that meant is then I had my own time. So I had at least an hour, two hours, three hours a day of time that I could just spend focused on the business. Uh, equally, I've got two young kids at home. Uh, How and it old was are a thing of, uh 18 months and
0: three. Oh, wow. Okay, so really young, especially when you're... So three years ago, you were thinking about doing this business and you just had a you just had a newborn.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, and that's, that's really what kicked it off, that classic cheesy thing of sitting there with this newborn baby going, right, uh, I want to see this thing, uh, I want to be part of its life. I don't want to be spending my life six days a week, traveling around the country, doing some interesting work, but actually never seeing them. I want to be part of their life. How do I create a business that gives me control and enables me to be part of their life? So that's really what started the thought process and it all went from there.
0: Really respect that, mate. In terms of that thought process of building the business, what were the first steps that you took to actually testing if this is a, a real problem in the market and
1: one that you could fix Uh, so uh, you can't see me because we're on a podcast but I'm a really scrawny bloke Uh, I'm made of glass and I keep breaking myself (laughs) Uh, and I've lived all over uh, and always found it really hard to find good treatment so as with a lot of businesses it was a personal problem that I sought to fix which was why if I'm a, uh, a rugby player and I've hurt my shoulder why can't I search in that way to find treatment Um, I don't understand the differences to doing the professions. So then it was, well, I'm lucky enough to know a load of sports people that do all sorts of random crazy things. So I talked to as many of them as possible, and everybody agreed. And some of it, yes, was that friendship bias, but this wasn't me saying I'm going to start a business. This was me just saying, I think this is a problem. What do you think? Um, And then it snowballed from there. And then it was that... um, you know, taking the whole build, measure, learn lean startup methodology working in management consultant obviously we get trained in all of that agile methodology start small scale quickly find out what works so actually then it was okay how can I uh, get access to a number of therapists to see if they want to advertise by saying what sports and injuries they specialise in because you go on any therapist website they say they treat everything yep. because they want to appeal to everybody so This was the days of um, pre-GDPR. So basically, scraped together a load of emails and just put some cold emails out. And what was in that cold email? Was that inviting them to this new business,
0: asking for feedback? What was the first thing that you asked of these guys? Because this is on the supply side of the market. These are the guys that can be doing the actual, uh, the physiotherapy on the patient. So you've got the demand, you checked with your friends. Have you got this problem? Tick that box. What did you do for these guys? What was the
1: first interaction you had with them? Did you tell them you had a business at this point or was it, I'm thinking about doing this? So as, as with everything, it was about thinking what's in it for them. Because in my mind, uh, and having looked at a lot of other platform websites, there's some brilliant, really clever technology platform websites, but they don't have either side of the market. Yep. So the public were only going to use something if there's choice. The therapists are only gonna pay money for something if there's public there and they're getting business from it. So actually, it was knowing that the therapists want business. Yeah. And actually, they're willing to put their details on almost any website for free, thinking that, well, if I get one, one customer from it a year, well, at least it's something that's It's a bit of a- It's been worth my time at
0: that point. It's Same with my industry. A plumber will put his details anywhere, trying to get in front of someone that needs some plumbing work. Same
1: dynamic. Yeah, so when you know that, it's about tapping into that. So yep. a really simple website uh, and just said, right, pop your details on here. But actually, when you're putting your details on here, what I'd like you to do is say, what top five sports, what top five injuries do you have greatest experience of treating or do you specialize in? just to see if okay so it's not just popping your details anywhere it's about getting that extra information and will that be a barrier to them and will they not do it yep. or will they still do it what that did very quickly is built up several hundreds and then a few thousands yep. of these therapists that are putting in that information that provides uh, email addresses contact information that actually we can use then to follow up and take them down a bit of a funnel to understand that extra information that's there, understand their problems, et cetera.
0: But well, once, you, once you've once you got that initial, I don't know, 200, 300 therapists, how did you onboard them to actually find out? Did you, was it phone calls? Because at that point, I understand you're still developing the platform out, yep. and you're non-technical, is that right? Uh, basically, yes. Basically, <laughs> you're like me. <laughs> I know just enough to try and get something onto a website, but you needed someone else to go and build the product. Yes. Like, how did you get the feedback out of these guys considering the fact you had no demand right now, they weren't winning work through the platform. So five years ago, I tried to build a check trade competitor and we got six and a half thousand tradespeople in two years to sign up, but we had no homeowners using it. And everyone came to us knocking on a door saying, where's all these leads that you've promised us? And that was the mistake that we made. We said, you're gonna win work and it's gonna be for free. How did you manage the expectations of the physios signing up? And how did you get them to give you
1: time to help you develop the product? Yeah. so I was very honest with them and said, this is new. Yep. You might not get anything from this from a year, maybe longer. Yep. Um, but however, I've made it really simple for you to sign up. So it's five minutes of your time. And then it's using that language of, well, an average customer, a patient for them, it's five treatments. So that's £250 upwards. Yep. Okay. So it's five minutes of your time worth the prospect of £250. Like it, and,
0: yes. and to be honest, on that is we've revisited our our trade directory business, and we told them, "I need ten minutes of your time every month, and you're not going to win anything for twelve months." But if we, because we're using it on user-generated content to get us to the top of Google. Uh, and because we set those expectations, we're actually really confident and comfortable speaking about the product compared to last time. We felt really bad as like we've got all these signups, but no demand and yeah. we have this mismatch of expectations. So I actually love that as a piece of advice for people listening, which is honesty front,
1: be clear and set expectations. Otherwise, we end up doing what we did that to sort of move away from that product for nearly three or four years. Yeah. And it's so- interesting that you say, talk about user generated content. Yep. So actually, that was one thing that Uh, I realized that we had all these therapists with amazing knowledge, but they didn't necessarily have a a platform and a way of getting that out. And equally, there's a load of platform businesses that are just listing sites, and they don't help their therapists really project themselves. So actually, there are a load of businesses, event companies, etc., that want good content. They want good content about injuries, but they don't know where to get it. It's a hassle to get it, and they don't want to have to pay for it. So, uh, I built a series of partnerships um, with the likes of uh, UK Run Chat, Men's Running Magazine, etc., and got columns. And then got the therapists on our site to write those columns. Perfect. So, the therapists, even though they weren't actually getting any leads from the platform yet, because it wasn't really happening, they were getting the opportunity of writing articles and getting published in national magazines or main websites, etc. So, actually, they felt really happy from that other therapists then saw that and went how do I start writing there the therapists themselves started sharing that to all of their network and all of their customers saying look where I've written my article and all of the articles were top and tailed of find your nearest running injury specialist at sportsinjuryfix.com sportsinjuryfix.com member Adam you know from Adam's physio writes about knee injuries etc.
0: Yeah I like it, it's weird the more we talk the more I realise how sort of In parallel, we're both running our businesses because with Verified, we basically said we can't win in a PPC market, we can't win in above-the-line advertising because you've got people like checker Trade and rated people spending five to seven million pounds a year. One thing we have got is an amazing community of people that want our product to succeed. So we basically found the top 5,000 questions that homeowners go to Google for with home improvement. So how much is a new boiler? How much is a new house rewire? And got our community to write the answers for it and that gets us to the top of Google. So I think it's a great little piece of advice to the guys listening. If you've got a community of people that want you to win, especially if there's no cost to them, like both of our products, is get them to help you to write the content. Yeah. So you go and do that and then you get a bit of traction with the product. This is a this is a fair, I don't wanna say it's a, a extremely complex technical solution, but there's a lot of tech to build here. You're non-technical. How did you then go and find someone to help you build the product?
1: Yeah. And how did you fund it? Uh, so I used to work as a civil servant uh, and I deliberately uh, stepped up and sold my soul to the dark side and went <laughs> to work for a management consultancy firm knowing that that would give me some extra cash to help fund it. Yep. And actually then what I did is I treated it that the salary that I was previously on, I kept that as my income and the extra money, tucked that away. Squirrel that away, yep. Uh, and again, it's just trying to be as smart as possible. So then I live in Cardiff so uh, I dropped a generic email out to the top 10 people that appeared on Google for Cardiff web development, because anyone that doesn't appear in that clearly doesn't understand about web development and SEO, yep. so I don't want to talk to them. Makes sense. And I actually, actually just said, right, if I've got this idea and this concept, how much would it cost to build? And of course, I got ignored by f- five of them. You had three of them that went, oh, be £50,000 up front. And then I had two of them. As you fall off, you see, yep. Yeah, uh, one of them went, was just desperate, come and talk to me, come and talk to me, come and talk to me, it's like, well, look, give me a rough estimate within a five, 10 grand sphere, Yeah. Uh, because otherwise I'm not gonna waste my time. My time is really precious. I'm here, there, and everywhere, and I've got the young kids. Yeah. It's not easy for me just to pop in in a lunch hour to chat to you. Um, and then there was one person who actually bothered to respond to my, uh, my email, answered all the questions really well, and actually, it was that beautiful thing of he was just starting out, running his own web development agency as well. Perfect. We spent three three-hour sessions with each other, talking it all through, planning it all through, and I hadn't given him a penny. All
0: and pay, just briefing and scoping yeah. it out. But actually, nice. that was...
1: So you could see it was a bit of luck in terms of the timing but equally it was me helping talk to him in a way that actually helped his business as well yeah. so having had all the management consultancy experience then actually in those sessions we were bouncing off each other so they we were working on my business and my future thing you could see in his mind who's getting some value going, back from you're, you you're helping me this is great let's keep talking you mentioned it's
0: a bit a lot but i think most people even include myself We've gone through areas where we've hired external web agencies and app developers, and I go and speak to two or three. The fact that you went out to ten straight away, I think, is something that more people need to do. Just put more sort of dogs in the race and find out who's who's qualified to do the work. So, you go and hire this guy, I
1: assume, to build out the product. Yep. Then what happens? Uh, so yeah, they built the they built the product, um, and actually it was it was brilliant, uh, and it, what they built far exceeded what I expected it to be. So I really take my hat off and I'm really grateful. Then it was the perennial thing of, they've had the money in, they've had the success in, it's built, then I'm bottom of the pile. Then I start getting ignored, which gets a little bit frustrating. But equally, momentum is starting to happen and things are starting to build. I'm starting to get on board the likes of Mike James, uh, who's a physio, a local physio, uh, who I bought on board from the credibility of the therapist side. To work with me. And actually, it's that stage of, right, we now are really understanding our therapists. We're going to shows with them, we're talking with them, we're getting this user generated content, we know their problems. Actually, we know we need to build these extra solutions and they're technical. So, as you said, I'm not technical. I'm starting to have some question marks about what was built in terms of the technical debt how secure it is, etc. So I went out and found somebody else to then build the online booking platform and customer note solution that would ultimately monetize the product. Effectively, to have that person almost critique what I originally had, but equally be very honest about the people that I'm originally using to say, look, I've got this other guy in, can you critique what he's doing doing as well? Keeps them both honest, very much with a view of not meaning to play them off against each other, it was all far more amicable than that, but actually then saying, right, who do I want as part of this business moving forward? But I also think it's a fantastic way for you because it's so odd the
0: more we speak. So because you're sort of blind to the code in terms of is this good quality, bad quality, you talk about technical debt, we've had an agency build, rebuild our app for 12 months and we had to pay someone to get a, a code audit basically because we, we just weren't confident in the build because we, we don't know what we're looking at. So you do need to go and play those two off each other to find out actually, one, is the work good? But secondly, can they communicate why it's not good to have a really good relationship moving forward? Because you need someone who's extremely technical, but to be able to speak in, a, in layman's terms of what, what are you trying to achieve and here's the
1: best route to do it. So I like that. So what happened off the back of that? So what happened off the back of that is the, the freelancer that had brought in uh, was an absolutely phenomenal guy. Um, and he's uh, a classic techie in terms of uh, his brain thinks in a certain way yep. which can make him a bit socially awkward at times but it's because of that that allows him to be so brilliant at all the coding side because that's the way his brain is wired yep. and actually he'd worked for web dev agencies before that had taken advantage of that Okay, uh, had bullied him a little bit had taken advantage of his nature so he was, had his really low confidence and didn't realise how good he was. Okay. Uh, having done a load of work in cybersecurity and worked with a load of techies and a load of people with autism and Asperger's, etc., I'd learned actually, if you talk to these people in the right way, they will be the best staff you ever, ever have. And actually, with this guy, we really built him up, got on like a house on fire to the point that he was said, how do I become part of this? How do I become part of this full time? I wow. bought into this I really like it how long How long was that window from him that window first was about meeting to wanting to join the company it's nine months wow that's cool uh, so after about three months I'd pestered him saying come on I need you to join I need you to join yep. uh, and then you know it took him a bit of time but when you think about it this was a person that was basically scared to look you in the eye uh, was really nervous and actually then he's come on so far to the extent that you can see what an intimidating environment we're in yep. with a load of Fake-tanned, probably steroided up, <laughs> meatheads. <Yep. laughs> uh, as well as lots of normal people, obviously, but there are some people at the real extreme end. Yep. And Thursday evening, uh, James Zatecki drove up on his own, came into this unfamiliar environment, loads of noise, loads of random people, and set everything up on his own.
0: Wow. So the thing that just sort of came into my head as you spoke about that. So that's awesome to hear from him. I kind of get the vibe from you. And so it's like... You're a non-technical guy, but it feels like, I look at things with like superpowers, like I'm a salesperson at heart, like I will sell you the shirt off your own back if I really want to. It feels like you've got so much empathy and skill in terms of, I guess it comes from your background as a management consultant, like the way that you speak about the people and going through your team, what we did do before we got on the mics, would you say that's that's your real superpower in the business is managing and recruiting A players into the team? And then on that note, if so, what advice have you got to me and people listening? Because I'm just amazed at how you speak about the team and the, the team you've pulled together in such a short period of time and how qualified they are. Like, how do you do
1: it? Um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, uh, I suffer from imposter syndrome quite a bit. Okay. And I guess it helps that... So I'm 39 now, so I'm a bit older. So I've had the years where I've been a bit of an immature little twat. <laughs> And my brother will certainly tell you that. Uh, But then it's being self-aware enough just to constantly learn and understand what your limitations are. And you go through that stage where you like to think you're brilliant at everything. And actually then you quickly realize there is always somebody bigger and better and faster and quicker and more intelligent at everything you do. So then like you say, it's working out right. What are my strengths? And equally, what are the key things we need for this business to drive forward? And then when you see those opportunities, grasp them. And equally, you realize that most people actually lack a bit of self-confidence. Even the most outwardly confident people lack a bit of confidence. So actually, if you can help them understand what their strengths are, and really build them up and build up that confidence, then not only do you get that really engaged, enthusiastic employee, You also get them being really loyal to you and bought into what you're trying to achieve and they feel part of it. And equally, they start doing that to the other people which they engage with, which is then really lovely to see.
0: That's cool. You you speak about opportunities there, like when you see it, grab it. How do you balance that when you're a young company with a burn rate to think about, when you find like the A player that you're trying to fill, but they might be a bit more expensive, like, do you take the risk or do you think about burn rate? How do you balance those two things in the business?
1: Uh, so I'm a, uh, a great believer in always needing to take calculated risks. So yeah, I spent 13 years working in defense and security. And when you work in that environment, it's you are always dealing, you're never dealing with certainty, yep. and you're always dealing with high risk. So you start to learn that actually risk is a good thing. You embrace it. Yep. And as long as you've taken the right steps to mitigate the risks that you can, and so you're going into it with your eyes open, well, actually, at times, you just have to grab it. Don't be scared of it. Don't view that as a barrier. Uh, And sometimes that can be random, like... I broke my hip in three places. But what that did is that put me in front of somebody, a doctor. There was the head of medical services for the English Institute of Sport, a guy called Dr. Rod Jakes the former president of the Faculty of the Sports and Exercise Medicine. This guy is the pinnacle of the people that we want to appeal to and absolutely we needed to get him on board. So actually it was that opportunity of to have his name associated with the business is worth every penny that we can. Like you say, this burn rate. So actually then it's about selling him a vision. So he's come on board as a non-except director and in the first year certainly in terms of the rates he charges he's getting virtually nothing yeah but actually then it ramps up so a success-based contract well to be honest he
0: must have felt sorry for you because you threw yourself down the stairs three times (laughs) to break your hip (laughs) to get in front of him so he's probably thinking this guy's committed to doing this
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah it was obviously a really you know exciting scary thing I was doing definitely wasn't on a little fold-up Brompton bike and core pedal (laughs) but we won't talk about that Um, no it's absolutely some top
0: advice so what's the thing that What's the thing that keeps you awake at night right now in the
1: business? Uh, it's just, I'm I'm incredibly impatient. Okay, I want everything now. Uh, but equally, because when you start thinking about opportunity and start trying to grab everything that's there, then every single day, it sounds a bit corny, you're always thinking of new things you want to do. Yeah. Oh, I like that. And even just the chat we had for half an hour before, it's like, oh, okay, that's some interesting points. Right, we could do that, we could do this, etc and then it's that that worrying in your brain of there's all these things we could do but equally knowing we can't do all of it if we try to do everything we'll spread ourselves too thin we'll run out of money so actually then it's that right how do we prioritize this effectively and how do we learn to say no because sometimes saying no is really hard but it's the most important thing you need to do for your business to keep it really focused
0: no right absolutely top bit advice there We like to end these shows with some fast-fire questions. My biggest problem is I always want to follow up with the questions. Are you up for doing some fast-fire stuff? Absolutely. Cool, let me just pull out my questions for you. So, number one. What's the one thing you know
1: now that you would tell your 18-old version of yourself? Uh, Don't be scared of asking for what you want. If you don't ask, you don't get big believer in that to be honest that's how we're here today we're like we want to interview <laughs> yeah well equally to be fair it was that thing of hearing harrison talk previously about body power and i was there going right we're coming to a show we don't know it we want to maximize the publicity that's there right harrison do you want a free ticket come along and let's have a chat and then he came to me and was like do you want a free ticket to body power bring them out <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's been like a kid at christmas about this <laughs> to be honest <laughs> What's
0: the number one tool, service, or hack that you use to get work done that other people might not know about? I think I've already heard it, to be honest. So I'm gonna answer this one for you, but if you've got a second one, let me know. Even if you can drive somewhere and it's two hours, and it's three hours on a train, get on a train. Absolutely. Like I'm now already thinking about I was like, that makes so much sense. I can get my laptop out, I can get my time back. Even if it's a little bit more expensive, but you get three hours to do some work,
1: makes sense. Have you got anything else like that? Or have I just, have I just answered it for you? <laughs> <laughs> you certainly have, it's definitely a tip before. I think one of the other things is nowadays, uh, People get bombarded with thinking, I need to use Slack, I need to use Trello, I need to use you guys Monday, etc., etc. I pull that face when I think <laughs> about Monday as well. <laughs> uh, and actually, I would say the best thing possible is getting the relevant team around and just having a conversation. Communication is the single biggest reason why businesses fail. So actually sometimes strip that all back and just have a 10 minute chat in the morning and keep it to 10 minutes. Yep.
0: Uh, we've tried to implement our all-hands meetings on a Monday uh, and they they started off really concise at an hour long and they started to bleed into one, one and a half, two hours and people started to resent it because it's taking too much of the working day. So that's something that we desperately need to work on. And do you know what? Just selfishly off the back of this, I'd love to invite you up to our office and just get some advice on management because it's the biggest thing that I struggle with in the company, to be honest. So open ticket up, free meal, pay for the train ticket, get some work done. <laughs> happy days. Let's do it. What's the best piece of advice you've been given and who gave
1: it to you? So my brother, uh, Andy Sloan, uh, told me there are these two guys that have a podcast in a slightly different area to you but listening to them sounds very similar to the conversations that you keep boring me with so rather than boring <laughs> me with these conversations uh, listen to their conversations and get in contact with them because you can probably learn quite a lot from each other
0: that's amazing mate. yeah super appreciate that and one of the best things that we've come out of doing the show is meeting guys like you because i'm a first-time founder and like getting to come and pick your brain and get you to the office and help with some management like it's just about meeting good people and helping out that's uh That's going to be a soundbite for the show, that is, Harrison. (laughs) What was the... This is one to tap into your brain, actually, in terms of what you said earlier. It's about saying no to stuff. What was the last thing that you looked at and said, I could make a business out of fixing that problem? What was the last business opportunity that you saw that was nearly going to pull you away from focusing on this full time or, or has there been nothing since you started the business? If you weren't doing this, what other problem would you fix?
1: I think about that you know uh there is no one thing uh from right when I was younger uh I always had people telling me you should start your own business you should start your own business you should go on the apprentice you'd be brilliant at it I did the Barclays grad scheme and in the first two weeks of onboarding I had two trainers come up to me and go I'm not sure why you're here. You're n- I don't mean this in a rude way because you're clearly really, you know, you're smart and you're capable and you've obviously done well to get here, but you're just not like anybody that we normally have coming here. And it was one of those strange things of just, because I had people telling me I should start something, I Kay. almost mentally blocked it out and went, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. It's, that. it's Particularly when you're younger, you want to conform and fit in a bit. Yeah. And so I had all these people telling me to break away and do my own thing. And bear in mind, this is at the time, there was none of these podcasts and startup things. Startup yep. wasn't really a thing. Entrepreneurism wasn't a thing. It wasn't
0: cool. You're unemployed back then if you're an entrepreneur. Exactly, <laughs> it was still
1: that. Get a job with a big business. Yep. Oh, here I am with a job in a bank. You know, on the grad scheme with Barclays Bank. Wow, you know, that's what loads of people want. Just so, out of curiosity, what did your parents do? Uh, so my mum was an orthodontist part-time and helped bring us up. And then my dad was a finance manager for a large construction company. Okay. And still very much it was that, uh, I can't ever remember them actually telling me, but I always had that feeling, there was that expectation of, you will work for that big business. Yeah. And certainly working for, uh, working for a big bank, My dad was super proud. He loved coming up to the city and having a lunch with me. My brother worked for a a big city law firm at the time as well. You know, my grandfather bought shares in Barclays and was really happy about how they were doing. So you kind of feel that pressure to stay there. That's why I asked,
0: from the way that you spoke about it, I got the sense that from a young age you had that, I'm going to conform and also everyone, I think, naturally tries to follow. They either heavily go against what their parents did because they don't want that life or they go, no, no, this makes sense, these guys are happy, they're doing well, and then you follow that journey and you want to make them proud. So I ended up actually, half of the reason I joined the forces, I didn't stay, I lasted four months, it wasn't for me. My dad was in the Navy. So that wasn't for me, but then my dad was also, he, he ran his own business for 45 years. So I was like, well, I want to do that. That was my way of making my dad proud. So it's weird how, how things happen. Um, next one for me is, if you could recommend one book or podcast
1: excluding as what would it be? I'm going to be cheeky and say two. Okay. Lean, Lean Startup by Eric Reese, uh, And equally, The Trusted Advisor. I haven't heard that one. Is that a book uh, or a podcast? It's a, a book, uh, and you can get it on Audible. But actually, I don't think you need to read the whole book because there's a lot of padding there. Yeah. But actually, there's an equation in it, and you can just Google Trusted Advisor equation. Just read about that a little bit. And actually, what that talks about it's just, it's everything we are talking about before about how to uh, build up a relation with people and get the most out of that. Yep. It nails that to a tee. I'm, I'm going to grab that today and go and have a listen. Last two for you, Malcolm. Who's had the largest impact in your life? In recent times, probably the man that's just taken photos of us to our right. You, I'm, I'm trying to like hold a strong <laughs>
0: jawline right now, so let's go. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's uh, so a real meeting of minds. A guy called Mike James, uh, had a massive presence on Facebook, as the Endurance Physio. Um, and actually, again, he was someone that uh, he came along to one of the shows that we did. And I looked at him and went, "Wow, he's got 25,000 followers on Facebook. He's got 20 years' experience of working as a." A physical training instructor in the military turned strength coach he's got a sports rehab degree he's then got a sports science degree he's then got a master's in physiotherapy he's done over a hundred marathons ultra marathons iron men he's done a double iron man he's done a treble iron man he's swum the channel he's represented team gb at age group iron man i tracathlon. need a nap after just hearing about all that yeah man's been busy how man. did you
0: get him into the team then Literally, because uh, he's full time, right? Full time. Yeah. I'm pointing at him, thinking yeah. he's still there. He's, <laughs> he's no longer gone.
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> he's also like Batman. He just vanishes. <laughs> he's full time in the team now. He's full. Yeah, he's full time in the team. But again, that was just that was just you don't ask, you don't get. So uh, he was uh, a therapist that signed up to the site with a cold email. And then I saw his profile, so then we spoke and I said, oh, you've probably got some interesting things. Would you like to write this article for Men's Running magazine? And he said, actually, yeah, I would. And then, okay, would you like to come along to the National Running Show? Yeah, I would. And then we got chatting over a beer there. Turns out he lives in Cowbridge, which is close to Cardiff, where I live, so it's quite local. Okay, let's let's just keep in touch. And actually, it was then just, it was that kind of bit by bit. Oh, do you fancy doing a little bit more? Do you fancy doing a little bit more? Um, and actually, then he beat me to it. He said, "You know what? I know you dropped down to four days a week first up, and I know you're thinking about going full time. Like, I, I, I'm in. How do I? How do I become involved in this? Um, and yeah, and then it it went from there. And then, just to put it back to the question, why has he made the biggest impact? Because uh, seeing that is just given, it just gave me so much confidence. Okay. Around you don't ask, you don't get, and equally that for our platform and in the area that we're in, the two of us and the knowledge we have just represents both sides of the problem perfectly. Uh, There isn't anybody from a therapist side that doesn't respect what Mike does or he can't explain to them really clearly. Equally, if they don't like him and go, well, you're just a therapist side, then the other side of the house and the public, then that's where it really appeals from my side and vice versa. And so actually just the conversations we've had and the power of it has just been brilliant. And equally, such a positive person that he's been just so positive about saying, what we've created here is amazing. And don't just listen to it from me. I tell you what, I'm gonna introduce you to this influencer. Look what this influencer is saying about it. Look what this key person in the industry is saying. Look what all these other people are saying about what you have built. I was gonna say, it's probably not just the confidence in you don't ask, you don't get but it's confidence
0: in what you've built. Someone changing career path to join your company. That's a bloody big commitment from them. So I guess for you, that's validation of like, actually we're onto something here. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool, mate, I really like it. Last one. What's the number one piece of advice you'd give to a first-time founder? I
1: would say take the time to really understand why you are doing it what is it you ultimately want to achieve if you're just building something because you think it's cool and then expecting it to magically take off it's not going to happen yeah agree. you need to really think why am i building this so why for me am i doing it because i want to make money if you just want to make money Then it's probably not going to succeed because as you always say doing the startup life is really hard there's easier ways to make money than starting your own business there are and if you ever if you ever want to um, raise money then they always say uh, a good team can make a bad product work because they know they'll iterate and they'll find out how it works and so with that then you have to have the passion in what you're doing whereas if it's a bad team so if all you're thinking about is i'm building this just to make money and you're just thinking in that side, then anybody you taught to raising money just won't be interested in you because you won't have that real passion that will real come across because you really believe in it and you're willing just to evolve and work hard and find what's right. And yes, that might make you millions. Equally, it might just make you a nice tidy income that means you can live a life. So what's your why? Why are you doing this? So I'm doing it because I've hurt myself so often and I found it so frustrating that I want to reduce the frustration for people. I want to help them get fixed. I want to solve that problem. That's where it started. That's evolved then and now we've got so many solutions to help therapists. You were telling me about your sports massage therapist who gets at least two no-shows a week. We've got a simple solution that means he gets paid for those two no-shows a week. That means he probably earns a hundred pound a week extra, 400 pounds a month. That's over four grand a year.
0: Which has a direct impact to the quality of life of someone that runs their own small business. Yep. So, for the guys listening to this right now, whether they are a sports massage therapist or they hurt themselves in sport, where do they go to learn more and use your service?
1: So, quite simply, sportsinjuryfix.com, or sportsinjuryfix on any of the normal social media. Malcolm, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I appreciate the fact that you have battled through the noise (laughs) and I wish you all the
0: luck at the show and in the future, mate. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much. Likewise. Cheers, buddy. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Don't forget, head over to Startup Stories and hit subscribe because that's where you can find all of season one and be ready for when we drop season two. Speak to you soon.